Welcome back to the Matt Report podcast, a podcast for the resilient blue-collar digital worker trying to build a business. The resilient blue-collar digital worker trying to build a business. I think that's the new pitch that I'm going with. I've been talking about for years getting away from the WordPress space and just the WordPress nomenclature around this, this podcast. And now that I've branched out, I feel like I can start working the pitch. What do you think? Let me know. Tweet at me. The resilient blue-collar digital worker trying to build a business. Does that resonate with you? I hope it does. Today's guest is, uh, well, he's a resilient blue-collar digital worker, if I don't, if he doesn't mind me saying so. His name is Noah Bragg. He's building a software on top of another piece of software called Intercom. His piece of software is called supportman.io. He builds it on top of Intercom, much like you know WordPress people build plugins for WordPress. There's this ecosystem uh, of Intercom. Intercom is massive these days. I remember when it just started out as a little chat bubble. And I used to follow Des Trainer a lot. I mean, I still do. Des Trainer, who uh, is the founder, creator, co-founder. I got to get my note, notes right. But he's an amazing growth and marketing person over at Intercom. And uh, I follow them for years now. And it's amazing to see the opportunity that exists, you know, outside of WordPress. I'm loving having these discussions. And I saw Noah's tweet at some point come across my, my feed. And he said something like, I got my first $50 a month customer. And... You know, he's sort of celebrating it and it's sort of on to the next one kind of thing. And I love catching people in those moments so that we can, number one, we can break down, like, how does that make you feel? Like, it's a small win, right? I think at the time that he tweeted that, his his monthly recurring revenue, his MRR was around $200. So I love talking to people in that moment. And come to find out, Noah's done a whole bunch of other things. He co-founded another business before. He has a full-time job and he's doing all of this stuff on the side. I love it. I love the intersection of all these things. And I hope you do too. MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. Hey, guess what? We got people who sponsored the show. Let's hear from them. PaidMembershipsPro.com, PaidMembershipsPro.com. You can save 50 bucks if you use my link, PaidMembershipsPro.com slash MattReport. PaidMembershipsPro.com slash MattReport. Look, if you're trying to build a membership site, you have a customer who's building a membership site, why wouldn't you look at Paid Memberships Pro? Over 200,000 websites use it. They're, they've been around forever. Uh, I used to work with them way back in the day. I met Jason, the, the co-founder of the business at Pageley's Pressnomics many, many moons ago when traveling was a thing. And it's just a powerful memberships tool for WordPress for free. You don't even need to pay for the add-ons. You don't even need to save. How can you even save $50 on free? You can't. They're not going to pay you to use it, but you can save it on all the add-ons that they have. If you're looking to connect up to other payment processors, donations, custom post types, things like constant contact, and all of these very popular uh, CRMs and sales platforms. Heck, today we're talking about Intercom. Maybe it even connects up to Intercom. Check it out. PaidMembershipsPro.com slash MattReport. Save yourself 50 bucks. Thanks, Paid Memberships Pro, for supporting the show. Next up is Malcare. Malcare.com, the only WordPress security plugin with instant WordPress malware removal. Our auto clean feature cleans your website without waiting for hours or days. You can scan the site now. Look, they're trusted by people like WP Buffs. We love them. Cloudways, GoWP, WP Sitecare. Oh, Ryan, I could take them or leave them. And then the Astra theme. Uh, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, and gals at Malcare. They're building great products. They're building Blog Vault, which is another uh, product that they have created. And if you want security around your WordPress site, because my God, who doesn't? Why don't you use Malcare? 
very easy to install, very easy to set up. It's guaranteed 100% WordPress malware removal without breaking your website. Get three times your money back if we cannot remove your malware. I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, somebody who was running a WordPress website, and they were telling me every time I go to my website, I'm getting that uh, red error message that this site cannot be trusted. And sure enough, that website, uh, you know, if you've ever seen a hacked WordPress website, you scroll to the bottom and there's like this ASCII code. Is that what it's called? <laughs> sort of sitting at the bottom. And you're like, uh, there's something off with this site. It's doing something. It's got all these spam links in the code, in the source code and all that stuff. I said, no, you, you just got to send, go to malcare.com, get them to clean it. In fact, they have an emergency hack cleanup service. If you go to their website, malcare.com, click it in the upper right-hand corner, or maybe you know a customer, send them there. Don't bother doing it. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it yourself. Send it to malcare.com. Malcare.com, thanks for supporting the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. So here's how you, here's how you got here. <laughs> I saw a tweet on Twitter uh, where you mentioned something, uh, and of course, I got the backstory after, but you got your first paying customer, I think, at $50 a month for Supportman.io. Was that, was that correct? That first tier? Yeah, so that was the first time that I got a customer to $50 a month. I, I did have a couple already at uh, $25 a month, but you know I was really trying to go for getting some customers at a higher tier, um, and so I was glad I was able to do that. So yeah, that's just tweeted about it, and a lot of people ended up uh, sharing and liking that, so that was cool. I think it's just fun to kind of uh, share... Um, you know, share what I'm working through. And, uh, so I, I like to share a lot of stuff in public and, uh, you know, just kind of help other entrepreneurs if I can. What was that other company you started and how did it lead you to support man today? Yeah. So about two years ago now I started a startup with a buddy, actually my roommate from college and that startup was called coffee pass. And it was an app, um, well really a platform, um, but to, to the consumer, it was an app that allowed them to order ahead at their local coffee shops. And so it was kind of like building a platform for local coffee shops that allowed them to kind of have the services that, you know, like Starbucks have with like the Starbucks app <clears throat> where you can just uh, order on the app, show up, uh, your hot coffee's ready to go and, you know, you can get on with your morning. Um, so yeah, we started that uh, about two years ago and... Back then, you know, me and my found my co-founder, we were really, we were really into like startup, the startup scene. We were really into, you know, following people like at Y Combinator and a lot of stuff going on in Silicon Valley. And so like we we really were like wanting to try to make it big, you know, like we were trying to get the idea down, build something that uh, could, you know, get invested in and find venture capital. And um, really, like, really hit a, you know, a big home run. <clears throat> and so that wasn't, you know, exactly what happened. <laughs> um, but we we learned, and I, I learned a ton through that process. Um, you know, one, just learned how hard it is to kind of get a, a business off the ground from nothing. And, um, you know, all the effort and selling and everything that goes into it. Um, we did, you know, we got around 20 shops uh using our platform um but we, we weren't making like a ton of money off of it and and that's where we started to see some issues where 
really like the business model, um, the business model had some issues where really to make it profitable, we would just have to get a ton and a ton of volume onto it. And that's where, you know, kind of following the the road that a lot of startups in the Silicon Valley area where, you know, they go out, raise a ton of money to kind of keep them going until eventually they can maybe turn the corner to actually make a profitable business. And so that that was kind of what we're looking at, that that's, that's what we we're going to have to do. And, you know, there's a lot of stress with that. There's a lot of risk with that. And um, it just was, it was starting to become something that we weren't interested in. Um, and you know, it's just, it's, it really is the go big or go home. Like either we, we make this happen, we go raise a lot of money, we hire a team or it just becomes a zero basically. Um, and we just didn't really like those odds. And we were also just, you know, starting to see some issues with the business. Um, and so that's why we eventually sunsetted it. Um, and I really, it, it really pushed me towards more of the bootstraps approach um, and kind of uh, the community online as well of just getting involved in that area and just learning a lot of how like, oh, you can actually make a business that is profitable from, you know, day one and it, it doesn't have to be stressful. Like I can kind of build it how I want to um, and all those kind of things. And so I, I really like that approach now, now, especially now that I've kind of been through the other side of it and just kind of had a, a feel of what that could be like. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what set me on to this, of like starting to build like a micro SaaS um, and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's one been the, good. One of the things I recall as, when I started my first company with uh, a partner it's a it's a super emotional roller coaster ride like, especially when you're you're young and you're naive to the fact of like everything that goes into not only like building a product but running a business and then running a business with a partner mm -hmm. and then running a business with a partner who has to go out and you know try to go raise some money and prove that this is a product do you remember which emotional turning point it was for you that really triggered both of you to say this isn't for us. And I remember for me, when we were talking to, we started getting a little bit of seed money and then we started talking to mm -hmm. lawyers and it just became like, prove this business, prove this concept to people who had like no idea for technology. And I remember turning to my partner and being like, man, this, I don't know if this is what we really want to do. We're out here trying to like teach people what the internet is. Now, remember, this is like 20 years ago. Why are we doing this? Um, what was that emotional pivot point for you? <sighs> really just probably like lots of setbacks. Like it's just time and time again of coming up against a wall, you know, whatever that problem is, and then just having to try to find find a way to, to get over it. And, and, you know, we did that multiple times. Like we would we would figure out a way to solve, solve that problem. Um, but it, it just keeps hitting you, you know, you get to the next thing and, you know, then it is, you know, meeting with lots of investors and like getting said no to a lot of times. And there's just, it's just over and over and over again. Um, it just, yeah, it's, there's, it's not as fun sometimes when you're, you're yeah. hitting that over and over again. Um, so I think it was more just like eventually just getting tired of that, I guess. And just like, kind of having this feeling like, man, are we ever going to get it there? Um, and, and then just 
seeing like the weight of all the risk that was on us as well. Um, so I think that just kind of built up over time and eventually we got to that kind of turning point where like, oh man, why are we doing this? <laughs> I'm always interested to see what carries over from somebody's early journey in building a business to where they're at today. Uh, you mentioned that you did get about 20 customers on the platform, acquiring customers, mm-hmm. building up the first 20. Is there any similarities of what you did back then to get those first 20 to maybe what you did today to get your first 20 or advice for getting your first 10, 20, 50 customers that you've seen over the years? Yeah. Well, I think the the thing that I tried to do back then and still try to do is really just understand uh, your customers, like know their their ticking points. Like what are the, the couple of things that they really care about? Because then if you can come to them and try to have a conversation, you, you kind of know what points that you should start talking about that can kind of get them interested. And, you know, if your product, especially if your product is helping with one of those things, you can be like, hey, what do you think about about this problem? Um, is this something you really care about? And I'm, I'm trying to help. Um, I'm trying to help companies like yours help solve this. Uh, you can you can start to have good conversations that help you to even understand those customers even more. Um, so I think a combination of that and then just especially in the early days, like I feel like it is a little bit of just kind of gritting your teeth and just talking to lots of people, trying to not necessarily sell them, but I mean you kind of have to have that kind of communication to eventually get some customers that are that are interested in what you're doing. And it, it just takes a lot of uh, effort and time um, to find those people that, you know, especially when, if they're going to be your first or second customer, that has to be, you know, kind of a special kind of person that's willing to work with you. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just takes a lot of effort and kind of gritting your teeth to get through some of that early stage stuff. Did you literally call coffee shops or walk into coffee shops in the early days and say, please be on my platform. <laughs> like, please use the product. Oh, did you yeah. Just, it was yeah, all we did a lot of that. Nice. Yeah, I mean, our, our strategy was kind of to start local. Um, if we could build up like locally around us, like where we lived at the time I was in Ohio, if we could get uh, lots of coffee shops in there, uh, around there um, to be using it, then it, it just kind of built up the value of the platform. So where we could get more people close to that and be like, hey, all these coffee shops that you know that are also in this area, like they're already on here. And so there was kind of this effect of like, the more we got on, the easier it got to sell to them. Um, and so, yeah, in those early days, like we would just drive around to the local coffee shops and just like <laughs> walk in, get some coffee and like try to talk to the baristas, try to ask them if we could talk to their manager, see if anyone would talk with us. Um, we also did a lot of like cold emailing um, in the beginning. And yeah, eventually um, we, we got a couple like we started to have some good relationships with a couple of coffee shop owners that you know, then they would introduce us to other coffee shops and it, it started to be a good thing. But just to get to that point where we had those relationships really took some time. Um, so yeah, it, it was a lot of, a lot of work to get there. You have a, a full-time job now and you're working on support man. And for folks who are listening, you can get a supportman.io. And this is, I'm going to let you paint the picture of it. I'm going to show the broad brushstrokes right now. 
a tool that sits on top of one of the internet's most popular my god now it's like, it's almost like a whole operating system of support but it sits on top of intercom and one of the things you said to me in our pre-interview was that you look at it as something that there's a ceiling to it but you, but you're going at it because you you chose to mitigate risk and how i perceive that was you looked at it and said you know what there's a customer base that uses intercom and i can market to them and i can build something for them which is not so different than what a lot of people do with WordPress that I talk to. It's like, hey, there's WordPress. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. you know 50% of the modern web, and I can build plugins or themes or services that attach to it. Do you ever feel, though, that Intercom can either replicate you, or is that sort of something that, you know what, that's not a risk as much as trying to find a whole set of customers? Like, How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, it's that is definitely a risk that you have to be careful of. Um, I think their support man, what it does currently, um, which real quick is sending like a weekly report of the metrics that support teams care about, like the the volume of conversations they have, their response times, how happy their uh, customers are um, responding to those conversations. Um, so. That's like one of the main parts, and and that definitely is something that Intercom could uh, do more of is like reports and sending those out automated and things like that. <clears throat> um, but the other part of Support Man is uh, being on top of Slack, which I don't think that's something that Intercom's really going to care too much about. Um, and Slack is where you know a lot of teams are already at, already at. So if I can really make it easy to kind of connect those two um, and make it really easy for teams to see the metrics and things they care about right where their team is at and they can talk about it and things like that. I think that at least that portion is something I'm not as worried about intercom, you know, going for. Um, but yeah, I think anytime you're building on top of a platform, like that is one of the big risks that you really have to weigh. And how I try to go about that is, um, really actually like making friends with people from intercom and kind of getting an idea of like what their goals are, what they're trying to do so that I can kind of paint a picture of like, what's their roadmap? What, what things are they possibly going to create in the future? And is that going to collide with what I'm trying to do? Um, and if it is, then probably stay away from that area just because yeah, as a, as a one person entrepreneur, it's going to be hard for me to to fight against someone on their own platform when I'm building on their platform. So yeah, I'd say definitely stay away from that. But I think there, there is ways to mitigate that risk and just be, um, you know, kind of careful with it. <clears throat> um, yeah. And, and course, at the same time, does, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned does... like the risk. Uh, yeah. The, the risk of, you know, basically, more so starting from scratch with a customer base. Like, like you mentioned, that, that it definitely is the value of starting on a platform. Um, I think in, in my, in my uh, I guess in my experience, it's, it's more risky starting with uh, your own customers, especially in a, like a new space where you're going to have to inform your customers what you do, what it is, how this, how this uh, solution will help you. Um, and all those things, I think there's a lot more uh, work there that you have to kind of pick up and do if you're really starting in a, a new market or a new product all by yourself. 
where the the advantage of starting on a platform like I am, like basically I'm just solving some problems that are exterior to the problem, the main problem that they're already having solved by intercom. And so they really understand it well. They already understand the problem really well. And um, they there's not really much explaining or extra work I have to do to kind of get that and sell that to them. So that definitely makes makes some things easier there and less risky. And look, at the end of the day, you build up a great product, you build up a great set or a large set of of customers, and it might make life a little bit easier for, you know, Des Trainer to come knocking on the door and be like, "Hey Noah, we'll we'll acquire you. What's your number?" It get gets yeah, you yeah. into that that at least that ecosystem, that conversation. So it's not all uh, bad. It's not, it's not all stressful. Is there one major lesson you carried over into this new product? I think another another part of like why I chose to build on top of a platform is really just like the sales and marketing part. Like I'm a I'm a software developer by trade, and so me going and selling out and getting twenty coffee shops on was was very hard and not something that I necessarily enjoyed either. And so <laughs> really like trying to strategize a way that I can not have to do that. Um, and I think building on platform where, you know, most of my customers find me through their marketplace that Intercom already has, it just makes my life a little bit easier and, and makes me not have to do as much of what I don't really enjoy doing. So that was definitely like one of the main things that like when I was strategizing this, like that was something I wanted to do for sure. Yeah. But you have a podcast, right? So you have a podcast and is that part of your marketing play? I think I know a lot of developers who say the same thing as you is they don't like that sort of uh, external reach out to cold call people to email them to show up at a networking event. And, and you have a podcast. So do you leverage that as this thing that sort of builds the foundation to your to your networking and your marketing for this product? So it's... Yeah, I do have a podcast, but it really is a different audience compared to, you know, the the kind of people that would be buying uh, Support Man. Um, mm-hmm. And really, you know, the audience that I have for the podcast is really just other entrepreneurs, other indie hackers, other like developers kind of doing their own businesses. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of people I love to talk to and and love to um, have conversations with and about. And that's why, you know, that's kind of what my podcast is around. But at the same time, I kind of figured and, and kind of know from talking to people that that group is not necessarily a great group uh, to build a product around just because, you know, indie hackers uh, and, you know, developers starting businesses, we try to not spend as much money as possible and, try, you know, try to, you know, basically bootstrap it. And so that's, I think that's a hard um, audience to kind of try to sell to. And actually that was, you know, when I was thinking of ideas, I was considering like kind of using that group, that audience um, that my podcast is kind of part of as, okay, what, what products could I sell to them? And uh, I eventually decided to shy away from it for that reason. Um, just cause I think it's, you know, it's hard to sell to, solo entrepreneurs. And so, you know, support man is really more so looking at businesses that have 50 to hundred plus employees. So definitely a lot bigger, bigger companies, but you know, the, the positive is that they, they have the money to spend on tools like this. So can you share where you're at in the monthly MRR figures and 
sort of where you like where your feel what your gut feeling is going into the holidays, going into 2021. Obviously been a crazy crazy year. But how are you? Like are are you satisfied with where you're at? Do you feel like you're overperforming, underperforming? Paint us that picture. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing to do and just like keep reevaluating. I I try to do that often just so that my expectations are, you know, at a good place and I'm not like getting disappointed. Um, cause yeah, I started support man at the beginning of 2020. And so, uh, I didn't launch it until around April or May this year. Um, and so now I'm at $250 MRR and, um, I'm pretty happy with that just because, you know, obviously there's a long way to go. Um, but it, it definitely helped like validate what I was doing and that like, okay, there's something here. Like I can find more companies that need something like this. Um, and so that was definitely some positive feedback to see at the same time, just kind of seeing, um, how many, basically how many people are coming through my distribution channel, which is mostly through the intercom app store. It's not as many as I was kind of, kind of, estimating, uh, in the beginning. And so kind of for that reason, like, I think that this, this market that I'm trying to target is, is probably smaller than I was expecting in the beginning. And so I think the ceiling is probably kind of, you know, smaller. Um, and, and I'm fine with that. Like this is the cool thing about this product is it's really not a lot of, uh, like there's not a lot of stuff to do to really get it to a, a good point. Like I can automate a lot of it and I found that it really doesn't need much customer support. Um, people kind of get onboarded and then they just kind of run with it and it, it works for them. Um, and so like, I'm hoping like kind of my goals is to get it to maybe like a thousand to 2000 MRR. Um, and maybe that's, that's like the ceiling right there. And if that is the ceiling, like that's cool. Um, because I can then kind of move on to some other problems, some maybe adjacent problems, or maybe just another SAS, uh, completely. And this can just kind of be a, a cool little side business that just kind of runs on its own, um, for the most part. Um, and, and that, you know, that was kind of my goal starting this was kind of like the, the stair step approach of like, okay, what's like a little problem I can solve and just kind of get my feet wet, learn a lot on the way and kind of just get a little profitable business going. And I, th- I think this could be that, um, it's just, yeah, it's not going to be like a huge scale or anything like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's a stepping stone to the next SAS that could maybe be a little bigger problem and then maybe another stepping stone. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. And I think the other thing that that helps with is like, just not having too big of, of ambitions or goals just for this first one, where if it doesn't, you know, hit some, some MRR, uh, level that I'm going to be disappointed and, and something like that. Like I, I kind of set my, my goals small, um, so that I could hopefully succeed in that and then kind of move, move that up a little bit the next time. So it's it's either like a blessing or a curse. I don't know. You tell me. But I, but I've interviewed a lot of um, developers who obviously have the ability, you know, to develop, right? So when you before you said, yeah, I'm much more of a software developer. I don't like to do the sales, maybe the marketing stuff as much. That's the part that I enjoy, right? The sales, marketing, 
you know, getting it out there, mm-hmm. networking, talking to people, showing it off, that kind of thing. So when I'm seeing somebody building a business or if I'm thinking building a business, it's like, okay, all of those dollars that are coming in, you know, from the first $100 a month to the first $2,000 a month, I'm looking at that as I need to reinvest this into developers and and really just spend in, in that area. You've already kind of alluded to it. Like you're, you're thinking there might be a sailing. You're thinking this might be small. How do you balance your ability? I mean, I know you have the day job, but how do you balance that ability to build any, you know, build anything you want, but stay controlled, not to go start chasing, you know, the next project right away? Do you know where that tipping point will be for you? So I guess I'm kind of more so thinking of that tipping point, not in a monetary sense, but more in like a feature complete sense. And also, um, you know, have I tried a couple more distribution channels to see if I can get the ball kind of rolling there? Um, so, and, and, and part of that is like hearing the feedback from my current users, like, am I, am I solving the problem the way they need? And so there's probably still a few more things for me to do and change to get to that point. Um, you know, but what I, once I get to that point, um, I think, you know, I'll start to spend less and less time on support man and start to, uh, be open to other opportunities and other, uh, ideas that I, you know, that come my way. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't want to leave, you know, for the, the grass being greener or something like that too early, um, and leave support man at a bad spot where it's not going to continue to grow. Um, so yeah, trying to be, yeah, yeah, trying to be balanced with that. Um, but that's kind of, I guess my mind frame of how I'm, I'm thinking about that. And, you know, the hope is that it would then, you know, reach that like 2000 MRR kind of on itself by itself. Once I kind of have the distribution channel set in place and it just kind of slowly grows over time, hopefully. When we had our pre-interview, you mentioned you talked to 30 to 40 customers, uh, in the beginning to find the exact problem. This is advice that obviously a lot of people should be doing <laughs> before they build the product mm-hmm. and spend all that time, you know, doing something regardless of, of what it is. But when I hear this advice and I and I see other people take this advice, they don't know where to start. Where did you start to find these 30 or 40 or so customers to chat with? This is also kind of another benefit of building on the platform is my customer, like my target customer is easier to find because I can basically point at intercom and find people that are using intercom, um, people that are managing teams that are using intercom and go and find those people and talk to them. Um, and you know, it's really easy with intercom because, uh, every website that use it has this little bubble in the right corner of their website And I can see, oh, they use Intercom. I'll go find their support uh, customer support manager or their support uh, head of support uh, person on LinkedIn, and I'll reach out to them. Um, and so that's kind of how I did it and how I started. Um, but again, I think it is a little easier with what I was doing, building on top of Intercom. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what I would try to do, kind of regardless of the product, is is find the people that I think would use what I'm trying to do. I'll tell you, Noah, there's a lot of WordPress developers listening to this right now saying, I might go build a product for Intercom. <laughs> it sounds like it's ripe for business. Uh, this is primarily yeah. a WordPress show. Uh, I normally, uh, you know, I'm talking normally to WordPress folks. I'm really trying to get outside of that bubble, if you will. Uh, 
your quick opinion on WordPress. Do you use it? Do you use it for marketing sites? Have you ever used it? Any thoughts around the WordPress ecosystem and maybe even building a product in this space eventually? I used uh, WordPress, I don't know, probably like five years ago now for a couple of websites um, and haven't really used it a ton since. Um, so I don't know a ton about you know the marketplace and what's going on there. Um, but I do remember like, you know, having a good experience with it back then from what I've heard it definitely, you know, a ton of the internet's built on top of WordPress. So I think that could definitely make sense for, for other people for sure. When you, when you turn to building a website for your, your products, either support man or the next product that you might go into, or even like when you built coffee pass, uh, what did you use to build out the website? Yeah. So, um, for Supportman, I actually used a tool called Versoli. Um, it's actually built by another um, indie hacker, solo developer um, that I got to know decently well, and so I kind of wanted to support his product. And it's you know it's kind of like a, a low code, no code tool for building specifically SaaS landing pages, and so that's why it kind of I kind of jumped on that. Um, but I mean, also I would build kind of custom like using tailwind css or something like that um is probably what i would do now um you know i think it definitely makes sense for people that maybe haven't built as many uh you know websites in the past to use wordpress but you know i enjoy doing that so i i might as well use some of those skills that i already have so that's probably what i do you, you are literally like a superhero, my friend, just like you have on the supportman.io website. Check it out <laughs> if you're interested in using, uh, maybe you know somebody who's using Intercom. Maybe this sounds interesting for your own Intercom installation. Check it out, supportman.io. And check out Noah's podcast uh, over at productjourney.fm. But, you know, don't all rush over there at the same time. They say, you know, don't forget to listen to the Matt Report as well. Noah, where can folks find you to say thanks? Yeah, you can just find me on Twitter. My handle is Noah W. Bragg. All right, everybody else, it's MattReport.com, MattReport.com, slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Helps us get found, so they say. It's all a big lie anyway, isn't it? <laughs> Help us get at least some good reviews on iTunes. All right, we'll see you in the next episode.